It is, it is impossible for Abraham and Sarah. It's not impossible for God. Abraham puts his hope in the Lord. He didn't trust his own strength, his own virility, his own plans, but he put his, his confidence in something outside of himself. And a son was born. That's faith. Faith is putting your trust, your confidence in something outside of yourself. And it's confidence. It's not, it's not wishful thinking. It's not some sort of empty hope out in the future. You know, people, people talk about faith. They talk about this, this leap of faith. You know, you just got to take a leap of faith. That's not faith. Faith isn't, faith isn't closing your eyes and, and hoping for the best. Faith is God opening your eyes to an unseen reality. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaiken.com. Hebrews chapter 11, all about faith. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children, because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. This is God's word. It's okay. <laughs> that, that sets a good, a good moment for us here. So, I'm not the new guy anymore. 51 weeks ago, I was the new guy. 
I was the new guy driving down the wrong side of Newberry right there. Amen. <laughs> it's not safe. <laughs> I was the new guy learning about this strange thing called circle, go, square, no. But here we are, 51 weeks later. Some things haven't changed. I still can't stand behind this massive pulpit to preach. Oh well, I'm over it. Sort of, sort of. But a lot of things have changed. Over the course of the year, a lot has changed, especially for this church, right? With one chapter of this church sort of concluded now, and a new chapter just now beginning. It's a very transitional time. And I feel very privileged to stand in this moment sort of smack dab in the middle. Right in between. And on a day like today, there is nothing that I'd rather do than share God's word with you this one last time. Really, there, there is nothing that I would rather do on a day like today. And Hebrews is, is a good place for us to go. The author's perspective, the author of Hebrews, it's, it's so unique. He speaks into this moment of transition, this, this sort of living in between. Because all of Hebrews, it's, it's connecting the two chapters of the church. It's connecting the Old Testament people and the New Testament people. And it's centering them, uniting them in the one person of Christ. The author of Hebrews speaks into this moment of transition. But what's more is he speaks into our moment. What it means to live in between. Now maybe that's a little bit abstract, so I want to help you think about it. What does it mean to live in between? Well, you and I, we are like... The kids in the back of the Honda minivan that's driving across the country. And we call out to the parents, are we there yet? And you know the answer, not yet. Not yet. That's, that's us. In our Christian journey, we are not there yet. We haven't crossed the finish line. But what gets us through this journey as the author of Hebrews tells us, is faith. Faith is what holds on through it all. So this morning we're going to talk about faith. I want to tell you about a faith that holds on. And I want to talk about your faith. I want to encourage you in that faith. Amidst all the change in this church, in the world, in your lives... I want to leave you with something unchangeable, something firm, something that you can hold on to. So here we go. Taking a look at a faith that holds on, I want to come at this from two angles. Here's the first part. Faith holds on to what is unseen. And that started on in chapter 1. Page one, sentence one of the Bible. If you know that sentence, that sentence that I'm thinking about. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Don't you love that? It just, in the beginning, God. 
There's no easing us into this idea of who God is, where he came from, his backstory, none of that. It's just God. And the author of the Hebrews takes us there. If we could get verse 3 back up on the screen. A couple slides back. There we go, verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. That's a huge statement to grapple with. The author of Hebrews is taking us all the way back to creation, but guess what? We weren't there. I wasn't there, you weren't there. No one was there to see this happen. But everything that you see today, everything in this world, was made from nothing. God spoke and there was. That tells you something about this God of yours. That by the power of his almighty word, he can take nothing and make something. And we don't just say that, but we understand it. We, we grasp a hold of it. We believe it. That's faith. Faith is certainty about things that we can't see. And it changes the way that you look at this whole world. This, this planet that we live on, it's, it's no accident. It's no scientific anomaly. There was, there was a very definite and intentional beginning. God who created this, this whole universe is the same God today that's preserving it. It's no accident that we're here today. God is preserving it and he has a plan for this world. He does. It's not just spiraling out of control, but there's, there's a trajectory. There's a timeline. God has a plan. And in God's plan for the world, he involved a man by the name of Abraham. Abraham, a man of faith. And by faith, Abraham, he held on to what was unseen. The opening pages of Abraham's story, he's living in Mesopotamia, he's living in a city called Ur. God comes to him, tells him to leave everything he knew. Leave, leave the land he knew behind for a land he knew nothing about. Leave everything that he could see for a land that was unseen. And by faith, Abraham packed his bags and he went. He went to Canaan, he went to that land that was promised to him. And do you know what Abraham did once he got to this promised land, this promised inheritance? What does Abraham do? He sets up a tent like he's just passing through. Right? He, he, he pitches a tent and he's, just, he's living like a foreigner, living like a visitor, like he's just on vacation or something. Because Abraham knows he's not home yet. Abraham knows he's living in between. Abraham's living in between two promised lands. Think about this. Abraham is living in between the promised land of Canaan and the promised city of God. So Abraham doesn't pour a concrete slab and settle in Canaan. But he sets up a tent and seeks something infinitely better. Something that he can't see. A city with foundations. A city that is firm and unshakable. A city that is built and designed and constructed by God himself. Even though Abraham can't see it, that's what he's holding on to. 
Faith holds on to unseen realities. That's the first part. But for the second part, I want to add on to that statement. Faith holds on to what is unseen, and it does so despite the realities that are seen. Abraham heard a lot of promises from God. One of those promises we had in the Old Testament lesson that Abraham would have a son. Now think about this promise. Think about the reality that Abraham is seeing. The reality that Abraham is seeing is Sarah, his barren wife. She's never been able to conceive a child. The reality that Abraham is seeing is his own body, which was as good as dead. Those are my words. That's how the author of the Hebrews puts it. Abraham's body was as good as dead. Not the most flattering words for a man's body. Good as dead. Abraham is, he's 100 years old. Sarah's rocking 90 years young, and this is the couple that's going to have a baby? You know, is that, is that just wishful thinking? Is that some sort of crazy dream? What, is, that, is that impossible for a couple like that? Well, sort of. It is, it is impossible for Abraham and Sarah. That's not impossible for God. So Abraham puts his hope in the Lord. He didn't trust his own strength, his own virility, his own plans, but he put his, his confidence in something outside of himself. And a son was born. That's faith. Faith is putting your trust, your confidence in something outside of yourself. And it's confidence. It's not, it's not wishful thinking. It's not some sort of empty hope out in the future. You know, people, people talk about faith. They talk about this, this leap of faith. You know, you just got to take a leap of faith. That's not faith. Faith isn't, faith isn't closing your eyes and, and hoping for the best. Faith is God opening your eyes to an unseen reality. For Abraham, this has a lot of layers. Because Abraham, he's, he's hearing all these just wonderful promises, these, these heavenly realities that are waiting for him. But Abraham knows the reality that's in here. Now we get, we get Abraham here in Hebrews chapter 11. Some Christians call this, this chapter the, the faith hall of fame. And Abraham's here. Abraham, you know, he's got quite a few verses. If, if he had a plaque in this faith hall of fame, it'd be a pretty big plaque. But Abraham, he was no perfect man. He was a sinful man. If Abraham would look back to his past, he would see the mess-ups and the mistakes. He would see the worry, the anxiety, the self-trust, the deception, all of that, all those things that we see, Abraham would see those things. Abraham lived with sin. That's the reality that Abraham could see. He was living with sin. But Abraham lived by faith. Abraham was living in between. He was living smack dab in the middle of all of these promises of God. If he went back all the way to the past, to the opening pages of the scripture, past those sins that he could remember, to the opening pages of the scriptures, you know what he would find there? The promise to send a savior. To crush the devil's head. 
A savior, a savior who would wipe away all those sins of his past and give him a confident future, a confident hope of his heavenly city. The reality that Abraham was seeing with his eyes is this reality of sin, but God's opening his eyes to this unseen reality. Abraham didn't get to ever see that great, 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 great grandson Jesus, that descendant, that offspring. But by faith, he saw him from a distance. From a distance, he saw the coming Christ, and Abraham put his trust, put his confidence in that coming Savior. And today, Abraham lives because of it. His great, 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 great grandson, Jesus, said so himself. Jesus said, God is not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Faith holds on to unseen realities. And it does so despite the realities that you do see. People of God, people of peace, this is my last opportunity to encourage you on this walk of faith. Hold on. You're not there yet. You're not at the finish line yet. But you are in a good spot. You are smack dab in the middle of God's promises. Behind you, you've got Jesus. You've got the cross. And ahead of you, you've got the heavenly city. You have that crown of life that is waiting for you. You right now are living between the cross and the crown. I want to leave you with that this morning. Three encouragements to hold on to. Hold on to the cross. That's the first one. If I was going to leave you with anything, you knew it was going to be the cross. Christ crucified. Jesus, your Savior, died on the cross for you. Hold on to that. That's what faith holds on to. Nothing else will do. Nothing else will work. Nothing else will last. Nothing else will get you through this journey. It won't. You can, you can try to hold on to other people and other things. Those things will disappoint you every time. You, you can try to hold on to something inside, maybe some sort of internal goodness. But sooner or later you find out that heart is slippery. It is sick with sin. It started on page one, sentence one of our lives, really. By nature, we were, we were dead in sin. That picture, dead in sin, it's not exaggeration. It's not hyperbole. Dead in sin, like, like a, a roadkill on an Aiken highway in the summer, rotting and decaying and stinking. It's that bad. It's death. Sin is that That was the reality that we were looking at. Capable of Nothing. And as we look back on our lives, the reality we see is those mess-ups, those mistakes, those times that we held on to our sinful heart instead of God. We look back and we see that mountain of mistakes, that mountain of mess-ups, and the only thing we should see in our future is punishment, condemnation. That's the reality that we should be seeing. But faith, 
holds on to unseen realities. And it does so despite the realities that are seen. Like Abraham, we may see our sin. But like Abraham, there's something else that we're holding on to. We didn't get to see Abraham's great, 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 great grandson. We don't know what he looked like. We don't know what color his hair was. We don't know what color his eyes are. We don't know how tall Jesus was. We don't know. We, we can't actually see him. But by faith, we see him from a distance. We look back, and what we see is perfection. We see a man who never messed up, who never made a mistake, all because he loves you. We look back, we we may not know exactly what Jesus looked like, but we look back 2,000 years ago and we see that silhouette. We see his cross on the mountain horizon. And as we stand here, we, we hear his voice echo through the ages. It is finished. It is finished. Those are the words of God. The same word of God that that can speak the universe into existence. Take nothing and make it something. Those are the words. It is finished. That take your debt of sin and make it nothing while giving you everything. Hold on to the cross. It's never going to be taken away. It is a done deal. It's happened in history. No one can change this. It's fact. Hold on to the cross. Number two. Hold out for the crown. With the reality of Christ crucified behind you, hold out for that crown. You're not there yet. But eternity with God is going to be worth it. Eternity can be something just way too big for our minds. I saw eternity, though, illustrated once by a pastor. And and what this pastor did is he had this long white string. And he took this string and he spanned it across the front of the church. And he was holding it on this and another person was holding the end on the other string. This long white string. Whole congregation's looking at it. What he does is he takes a sharpie and he draws a little black line right at the front of that string. That little black line, that's life on earth. The rest of that white string is eternity in heaven with God. Doesn't that put it into perspective? But we can get stuck in this little black line. Our eyes can only see so far in this life. We just, we see the things that happen in this life They can be heavy. They can be hard. Because the things that have this little black line, things like divorce, abuse, anger, anxiety, cancer, death, sickness, you name it, all of these things in this life. And we we can get so caught up in that. They, they, They kind of put blinders We just see the sorrow, the anxiety. We focus all our attention and worry on this little spot. 
But faith sees farther. Faith sees a city with foundation. Faith sees God. Martin Luther, the theologian, said something to this effect. Once we get to heaven, we're going to be kicking ourselves that we ever cried a tear on earth, that we ever sighed a sigh. And if we had fully realized the hope of heaven, we would have gladly suffered a whole lot worse on this earth. Hold out for that crown. Because whatever happens in this life, and it will, we're just passing through. We're strangers, we're foreigners. We, we, we set up our tents, we roll out our sleeping bags. And if you're lucky enough to set up a tent in Aiken, South Carolina, you know what they say? You're lucky enough. But as the years go by, as people move in and out of Aiken, as people come and go through peace, we're looking ahead to that day where we won't be pulling up any more tent pegs. We're looking ahead to that day where we're all in a city, a city with foundations, a city that's been designed and built by God himself. You know it's good. You know it's going to last. That city, forever firm, forever reunited, forever at home. Hold out for that crown. Finally, hold on to your God. There's a verse here in Hebrews that I want to close with. I've been wanting to share it with you for, for a couple of weeks here. It's the last verse. God is not ashamed to be called their God. Someone wiser than me once said, religion is in the pronouns. And so in that verse, God is not ashamed to be called their God. The pronoun, the word that we want to focus on, their God is not ashamed to be called their God. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, these are sinful men. They have their flaws, and yet God is not ashamed to be called their God. God is not ashamed to be called your God, to take your name. It's one thing, it's one amazing miracle of grace that we can take God's name, that we are, we are Christians we are children of God, but God takes your name. Isn't that almost just too good to be true? God takes your name. God is the God of you. 51 weeks ago, I was going through our church directory, trying to learn some names. And at the time, it, it was just a list of names. 51 weeks later, it's not just a list of names. It's a list of family. Christian brothers and sisters. But even more than that, it's God's people. 
God is the God of you and you and you. I could go down the whole directory. Everyone here. God is your God. He's not ashamed. Living between the cross and the crown. Hold on to your God. God the Father who created this whole universe is your God who preserves you. The God who who clothes the lilies of the field and feeds the ravens is the God who takes care of you every single day. God the Son who died to redeem you is your God who lives to give you life, who lives to love you. God the Holy Spirit who called you to faith by the gospel who called you out of darkness into wonderful light, who took nothing and made something, who took something that was dead and make it alive. This God, this Holy Spirit, is your God who will guard and keep you in the one true faith until life everlasting. Glory be to him. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus.